Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Did you know that the air inside our homes can be more seriously polluted than the outdoor air? Cleaning products are a huge factor to this air pollution, and daily exposure has been proven to be as harmful as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, increasing your risk of developing COPD by 38%. Thanks to force of nature, there is no reason to use cleaning chemicals that make you or your family sick anymore. Force of nature is a small appliance that uses electricity to convert salt, water, and vinegar into an all-in-one multi-purpose cleaner, deodorizer, and disinfectant. Force of Nature is my go-to cleaner for all things because I'm comfortable using it around my family on counters, doorknobs, toys, and more. I love that it is an EPA-registered disinfectant that is as effective as bleach with zero harmful fumes or residues to rinse. All you have to do is spray. To try Force of Nature, visit forceofnatureclean.com and use code JUSTINGREDIENTS30 for 30% off starter kits and bundles. Once again, that's forceofnatureclean.com with the code JUSTINGREDIENTS30. Sheila Kilbane, MD, is a board-certified pediatrician trained in integrative medicine with Andrew Weil, MD. She uses the best of conventional and integrative medicine to identify and treat the root cause of children's illnesses. Her goal is to help children reach optimal health so they can thrive. Using her seven-step process, along with natural and nutritional therapies, Dr. Kilbane helps significantly improve or resolve altogether childhood illnesses such as colic, reflux, eczema, recurrent ear and sinus infections, asthma, allergies, constipation, and other GI issues such as abdominal pain. In addition to seeing individual patients at her private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, Dr. Kilbane gives educational lectures to parents and healthcare professionals around the globe and offers online education courses. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to ask you lots of questions about children. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for what you're doing. It's incredible. Well, thank you. So tell me about yourself, your background, and how you got started actually studying integrative medicine for children. Yeah. So when I first got out of residency, I was seeing the kids and they would come to me and it was always the kids. They would have eczema, recurrent ear, sinus infections, abdominal pain, constipation, asthma. And I would give them a medication. They would get better for two weeks and then they would get sick again two weeks later and they would be back in the office. So these were the kids I was seeing each month. And I just thought to myself, we're not, I'm putting a Band-Aid on the underlying cause. And so I just started to listen, but I didn't have any other tools in my toolbox. I didn't know what else to do. So one day, and I will remember this story like it was yesterday, one of the moms came in and I had been seeing this little boy since he'd been born and around, he had eczema and recurrent ear infections. And around his nine month well visit, The mom came in and said, you know, Dr. Kilbane, I took dairy out of my diet because she was still breastfeeding and his eczema improved. It didn't go away completely, but it had improved. And, but he was still having the ear infections. So I had to refer them to get ear tubes. Then at his one year well visit, the day before she had a big omelet and he had another, he had a big flare up of eczema. So we knew at that point in time, that eggs and dairy were his triggers. So we kept the eggs out. We kept the dairy out. And I said, come back in a few weeks. Cause there was an insurance glitch with the ear tubes. So she hadn't taken them in to get the ear tubes yet. She really was kind of dragging her feet with that. She didn't want to do it. So she came back about three to four weeks after being off eggs and dairy and the fluid in his ears had cleared up and the eczema was fully resolved. And what I know now from the research is that a third of the time with eczema, it can be a food trigger and dairy and eggs are the two big culprits. At the time, I had no idea. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand this concept of cumulative inflammation. 
So that's when I started really reading and studying and, you know, eventually went and studied with Dr. Andrew Weil. And it's like somebody took the top of my head off and poured in all this new information. I just continued to make these nutrition changes and I would use a couple of supplements in my practice. And it was, I thought, this is like magic. This is so, these kids, these illnesses were melting away. And I thought this has to be a fluke or surely somebody would have told me about this during training. And my partners, meanwhile, are saying, Sheila, what's that voodoo medicine you're practicing? You know, and then a year later, they're coming to me and saying, what are the dose of those probiotics, Sheila? So it kind of came full circle and integrative medicine is much more accepted now. And it has given me such a bigger toolbox to work with families. And it's always using the best of both conventional and integrative medicine. It's never about one or the other. It's always a combo. Right. I always say that, that it's always a combination. Use the best of both. Why not use the best of both? I love that you saw a problem and listened to a mom that was bringing her child. And then you figured out a solution and went and researched it and did more studying about it. That is so amazing coming from a doctor, but also I'm shocked that you didn't learn this in medical school. Well, thank you for asking that because that's the thing that people don't understand. You know, and I just, I have a book coming out and I write about this in the book is we get almost no nutrition training in medical school. We learn that deficiency of vitamin C equals scurvy. It's, that's about the extent of it, is we learn what happens when you have a severe deficiency of certain vitamins or minerals, but we don't study nutrition. It's starting to change a little bit, but I trained, when was, I went to medical school in 1998, so a little while ago. And it's almost, I will sometimes liken it to going to your pediatrician to look for advice on supplements and, you know, more, a little bit deeper advice on nutrition is sometimes like taking your computer to the car mechanic is we, (laughs) we just don't get training. It's, and it's not to say that pediatricians are starting to learn, I think. And what I have found is that a lot of my friends and colleagues they are using this nutrition with themselves, but it's not always the easiest to translate it into a busy pediatric practice. So right. it, it's coming along and it's going to take time, but the food industry has really, it makes it a little bit more challenging. Yes, right? it does. Which is, I mean, we could talk for hours about that. We could. Well, and pediatricians probably don't have the time to educate all their clients on you know, how to live a healthier lifestyle, because it can take hours and hours to, you know, educate people on that. Absolutely. And a funny story. So when I, I always knew I wanted to have my own practice, but it took a little, you know, I took my job out of residency. And then I always say it took me two times to really start my own practice because I left that job and I did what's called locum tenens. So I worked as a fill-in doctor for other practices. And I was at the point where I couldn't just give an antibiotic and walk out the door. I had to say, you know, there is a possibility that dairy could be triggering inflammation that could be contributing to the ear infection. So here's your antibiotic. Here's a handout. I had a little bag that I would carry over my arm because I was doing fill-in. I didn't really have space at that particular office. So I would pull my hand out out of my little bag and give it to them about how to go off dairy and then how to take a probiotic while they were taking the antibiotic. And one day, one of the triage nurses called me and she said, Sheila, one of the moms called in and she was, you know, asking, clarifying a question about something. And the triage nurse said, well, what doctor did you see? And she said, oh, it was the one with the bag. (laughs) I, so I henceforth became known as the bag lady in that practice. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. Well, you were a bag lady educating people with those papers in your bag. Exactly. So let's talk about your new book being released pretty soon. It talks about healing common childhood illnesses, correct? Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that book. Once I started seeing this unfold about how profoundly nutrition impacted these common childhood illnesses, 
I just, I continued to do this. I could continue to help families make the change. You know, I'd continue to refine the way that I was doing it to make it as easy as possible for families, one, to understand it, because it's the strength of my conviction that I share this information with them that helps them make the change because it's hard. You know, it's hard to to really decrease the sugar drinks and to take out the artificial dyes and colors. And, you know, and then for many of my patients, we end up going off dairy, possibly gluten. So it's been a process of refining that. And then also with supplements, because when I first started using supplements, I was doing with supplements, similar what I was doing with medications is if I saw an iron deficient patient, I would give them an iron capsule. It was a better alternative than the prescription that I would give them previously, but I still wasn't really looking under the hood to find out why they had low iron. So with the book, I go through my process. So the first section, it's kind of like three books in one. The first section, I really talk about the science and what's going on. Why is dairy, you know, what do the studies show about dairy and sugar and that sort of thing? And then in the second section, it's exactly the process that I use in my practice. So it's just the how-to. And then we have lots of visuals and it's a full color book. And so I want you to get the kids involved and get the whole family involved. And that's where the information that you provide on social media and on your website, those are the kind of things that these families need in order to start to live this way. And then the third section are recipes. Oh, that is great. I can't wait to read this book when it comes out. Yay. Thank you. I know I have a heads up. So I know that some common children illnesses are discussed in this book. As you said, you give like the how to's. So let's go through some of these common childhood illnesses. For instance, ear infections. Maybe let's do ear and sinus infections together. I know those are really common in children. Does inflammation play a role in this? What is causing all of these ear infections? Yes. And ear infections were one of the first things that started to clue me in that I really needed to be paying attention to inflammation. So when you think about an ear infection, we've got these eustachian tubes. So it's the tube that goes from the middle ear to the back of the nose and throat. And when we're born, it's basically a horizontal tube. And that's why, and then by the time we're two, that tube is a little bit more vertical. So it has an easier time draining. If you get a cold or you have any mucus buildup, it can drain more easily to the back of the nose and throat. Say we're eating foods or, you know, we get a virus or a bacteria and we get an increase of inflammation in that little eustachian tube. If anybody listening has taken physics, if you decrease the diameter of a tube, the resistance increases by four. So we have just taken this very tiny collapsible tube and made it much more difficult for any mucus to drain out of it. So that's what ear tubes do is they poke a hole in the eardrum and they let fluid drain out of the ear that way because it's not able to go the natural route. So if we say, okay, let's look at this child. Yeah. Let's use food because that's the thing that we have the most control over, right? If you have environmental allergies, creating inflammation, you can't cut down all the trees or dig up all the grasses. So let's decrease the processed foods and some of the sugars. And then maybe we take out dairy and we decrease that inflammation. So the next time that child gets exposed to a virus they're not going to have quite as much inflammation that's going to clog up that tube. And so yet you're still going to get sick, but maybe you're not going to end up on an antibiotic because that ear infection has turned into a bacterial ear infection. And the same goes with the sinus passages is it keeps, we keep that inflammation down so the pipes can drain. And it's, that's basically what it is. I talk about it like a cup of inflammation. So say that, you know, child's cup is completely full and that's when you have a lot of symptoms. It might be runny nose, congestion, cough, eczema, and we take out the dairy and then maybe that, and, and you know, the processed foods, and maybe that cup of inflammation goes to about a fourth or a half full. Then we get that virus and we're going to go to maybe three fourths full and we're going to get through it without an antibiotic, hopefully. Does that make sense? Yep. 
But I have a question for you because I know listeners are probably thinking, okay, wait, what is inflammation? What's causing inflammation? And how do I get rid of the inflammation then? Yes. So think about inflammation like a sprained ankle. So you sprain an ankle and you damage some of the tissues that are around that ankle and you get our body sends all these white blood cells to that area. And what those white blood cells do, they literally start to repair that tissue and they repair the tissue. And then, you know, eventually those white blood cells are not going to be in that area any longer. So it's sending extra white blood cells to different areas of the body, mucus, right? It's all of what you get when you get a cold and having cells in our body where they shouldn't necessarily be. And we need inflammation to a certain extent. I was going to say inflammation can be good, right? In that case of the sprained ankle, it is good. Exactly. Exactly. If you cut your finger, we need blood cells to go there, you know, to clot the blood so that you don't keep bleeding. So we need inflammation to a certain extent. But what's happened is many of us walk around with all of this excess inflammation and you can see it like right to my eyes. I can see a kiddo who's got excess inflammation from a mile away. They've got big dark circles under their eyes. They may have red rosy cheeks. They've got bumps on the back of their arms. They're a mouth breather, you know, kind of that. (sighs) They've always got a little bit of crustiness around their nose because they've got chronic congestion. They might be a little tired-ish, a lot of fatigue during the day. Maybe they're not getting a good night's sleep because they're mouth breathing all night long. And there's a clarity, there's kind of a brightness that we get in our eyes when we're, we're eating food that's right for our system. And when you've seen this in one child, you can't go the other direction. You have to continue on educating families that this you know, this food is creating this inflammation. And so when we shift that decreases the inflammation, and that is what allows our immune system to work more effectively and efficiently. So I was just going to ask what is causing this inflammation. So it's basically the food, the sugar, the processed foods, things like that. Yes. So I, the way that I lay it out and I always describe it and we've got beautiful charts in the book. So there are five main triggers of inflammation. So if you anybody listening can grab a pen, but it's also, I have all of this in the book. So the first thing is we have our genetics, right? We have all got our genetics. And then it's the way that our genetics interact with our food, our environmental allergies, environmental toxins, infectious diseases, and stress. And stress can be physical and it can be emotional. And each one of those categories can add significantly to inflammation. So we're never, none of us live in a vacuum. So we're never going to have a perfect diet or we're never going to have our stress perfectly controlled, but it's about looking at each piece and doing what we can in each category. And I'll give you another example. So one of my other patients who came to me, he had that Darth Vader breathing. He was a mouth breather, the big dark circles under his eyes. As a baby, he'd had a lot of colic and reflux and He was coming now because of recurrent wheezing and, you know, he'd had a couple of episodes of it and they needed to do an oral steroid and he went berserk. You know, he went bonkers with the steroids. Some people just don't tolerate steroids well, but he needed it to control the wheezing. So the mom and her infinite wisdom said, you know what, I've got to do something different because I don't think I can give oral steroids to him again. So, you know, she came to the integrative pediatrician when we combed through his history and he had all the classic signs of a dairy sensitivity with reflux, colic, kind of that chronic runny nose. And he was getting these wheezing episodes and, you know, I said, okay, we're going to pull dairy out of his diet. And then we did a good, you know, we went through the other triggers and he had a significant dust mite allergy. Hmm. And so I always ask how old the mattress is. And he was sleeping on a mattress that had been his uncle's from when his uncle was in college. So we got rid of the mattress. We took out dairy. I came back three weeks later and he was like a different child. Wow. Right. Her question is always, why didn't I know this before? And I said, if you had come to see me two years ago, I wouldn't have known this either. Right. So, you know, and that was years ago. 
that's really interesting. As you're saying that, I'm like, hmm, I wonder how old my <laughs> children's mattresses are. That actually has been a goal of ours to replace them all this year because ours are terribly old. So my daughter, teenage daughter, got the first mattress. We have the next one coming next month. So oh, nice. we're budgeting you're, and trying to do a, yeah. a new one every few months. So Doing it sequentially. That's yeah, very that's smart. That's interesting. Well, and it's not, if you don't have a dust mite allergy, it's not going to cause you any challenges, but it's still good. I don't want to tell you how old our mattresses are. So, <laughs> okay. So talking about inflammation now, so inflammation, can it cause other illnesses in children as well? What are some of the common illnesses that inflammation is linked to? Yeah. So the beauty of integrative medicine is we look at the, we tie the common threads together of these illnesses. So when you've got this excess inflammation, you see eczema, constipation, again, the bumps on the back of the arms. It might be the rosy cheeks, chronic runny nose, mouth breathing, snoring, wheezing. You know, the kids might be on recurrent rounds of antibiotics. And then the other important piece is it also can impact behavior and mood. So if you have a child, some of your listeners might resonate with this. So if you have a child struggles with constipation, often their behavior gets worse. Like if they've gone two or three days without a bowel movement, they start to act out more, they might be more irritable, and then they have their bowel movement. You're like, oh, there's my child again. So they're all linked together because it's all tied to inflammation. And we don't have fences in our body. So for example, if I'm seeing a child with asthma, and if they've also got constipation, we're not going to start working on the, I mean, we, we work on it all together, but the number one thing is we've got to get that constipation resolved so that the child's body is able to excrete so that everything can start to work better because we've, you know, elimination of the food that we're eating, what we're metabolizing is extremely important for our overall health. Right. Okay. I skipped to inflammation when we were talking about ear infections. So now I want to go back to ear infections because I want moms, listeners, dads, parents to know, because when I had little babies, when they had an ear infection and I didn't know all of this, I just thought, oh, okay, we go to the doctor and they'll prescribe the antibiotic and the ear infection will be taken care of. So I've since learned that sometimes it's viral and it, those antibiotics aren't doing anything. So what do you suggest to parents these days? Are there natural ways to treat it? What are your suggestions? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I think is important to know is that upwards of 65% of ear infections will resolve on their own. And if they're going to resolve on their own, it will happen within two to three days. So if the symptoms are persisting after that, you definitely want to go, you know, see the pediatrician and have the child looked at. And if they're, my huge interest is in preventing ear infections, because when it comes, there are a lot of wonderful natural remedies. If it's a true ear infection, though, I still recommend an antibiotic. There are things, you know, garlic drops and other things that you can use in the ears. If, you know, if you've caught it early enough and it, you know, if they're not having fevers and things like that, and there are also some different techniques that you can do kind of massages along the ear. You can take the ears and, and gently pull them outward to just give a little assistance with that anatomy of the ear canal so that we can help the drainage. And then we also want to keep the nose clear and you can use the saline rinse in the nose, if you can get your kids to do a little bit of a neti pot. And that's the, the way that I look at my big recommendation for families is to prevent them so okay. that we don't get to that point where we need the antibiotic. So what are your preventative techniques or tips that you tell parents? So the first one is if they are getting the recurrent ear infections, dairy, it, there was a really good study done and about 40% of the kids who had chronic fluid in their middle ears had food allergy tested them. And about 40% of them had a dairy allergy. And so they pulled dairy out of the kids' diets, the fluid in the ear resolved, and then they did it for 16 weeks. And then when they put the dairy back into the diet or whatever the other foods were that they were allergic to, they put it back in the diet and then the fluid came back. 
What happens, there's a lot of misunderstanding though about allergies versus food sensitivities. So this is, so dairy was one of the number ones in this particular study. Gluten was another one, eggs were one, you know, corn. It's, there are 11 foods that cause 90% of our issues, you know, we as humans. And so it's dairy, soy, wheat, corn, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, sesame and citrus and the sesame and citrus are far lower but those are just the the major allergenic foods so the chances are if you're having inflammation from food it can be triggered by one of those and it it doesn't mean all those foods are unhealthy i was just going to say uh, that's overwhelming if all of those are things we need to eliminate from kids no 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 no. absolutely not i am much more what i like to do is i like to work with families get the kids guts cleaned up get their systems in balance you know and if we need to pull the foods for a little while we we can do it for maybe three to six months but then we're going to try to add them back in and see how the kids do so it's just like we healing that sprained ankle. Once it's healed, then you can start playing basketball again. Right. And then a lot of those foods will affect everybody differently. Absolutely. Because some may not have any issues with peanuts or sesame or citrus. Rarely, rarely do we have to go to those. The really biggie, I mean, dairy, if you're listening and your child has recurrent ear infections and they're still eating dairy, that is, that's the only thing I would do is I would just take out dairy. You do not have to go around the rest of that list. Okay, that's good to know. So moving on to another common childhood illness or issue, let's talk about constipation since we've talked about it a little bit and that abdominal pain. What do you suggest to parents that are dealing with this? Yeah, so this is one of my favorite topics. So constipation is widespread, right? There are some it shows anywhere up to 30% of kids at one point in time may experience constipation. And magnesium is the mineral that makes things relax. And we get magnesium through green leafy vegetables. So it's very important to help bowel movements because we have this muscle along our GI tract. And our GI tract is always doing something called peristalsis. So it's always moving, it's contracting and releasing, it's moving the food from our mouth down to our bottom. And if we're eating a diet that's filled with mainly packaged foods, we're not getting much magnesium and we're not getting much fiber, two things that are really important. And so the big fruits and vegetables are going to have those things. And vegetables and fruits both have fiber and the green leafy vegetables have magnesium. And pumpkin seeds are another food. We don't have a ton of foods that have magnesium, but pumpkin seeds are another one that are chock full of it. So if we could take a kiddo and say they're having a bowl of cereal and milk for breakfast, maybe they're having a piece of pizza for lunch and chicken nuggets for dinner, they haven't gotten really any fiber all day long, nor have they gotten a fruit or a vegetable. So, you know, we always want to be looking at what we're putting in. And the way that I was trained was to just give these kids a laxative. And there's, you know, a common one on the market called Miralax that I was prescribing Miralax for years, you know, one, two years at a time, but I was never asking myself, why does this, you know, this child doesn't have a Miralax deficiency. What's going on here? (laughs) So that's, again, we go back to gradually shifting and we do it super slowly and give yourself a lot of grace because it's not easy to change your family's diet. So you just do it very slowly. And that's in the book. I walk families through the first thing we do before we even think about doing anything with dairy is we do a mini cleanse for kids. And the first thing that we do is we take out sugar drinks. You know, we want to be cognizant of juices because juices that we were all taught are very healthy. A cup of juice has about the same amount of sugar as a cup of soda. So we really just want to be aware of that. The kids are drinking sodas and, you know, sport drinks, things like that. We want to decrease those and then get artificial dyes and colors and then, you know, processed packaged foods. If we can try to swap out even once a day, if you can swap out a packaged snack for a fruit or a vegetable and then the processed meats, you know, we want to do fewer deli meats and cold cuts and hot dogs and things like that. And if you are doing them, really try and get organic and nitrate free. 
and then the processed fats and the processed fats are what get a lot of people because if you're eating out a lot the all the food in restaurants are cooked in you know cheap oil that is a lot of the pro-inflammatory fats so if we can just maybe eat out one less time a week that can be a really big game changer and so we'd start there and I would always, I, in my book, I also, I spell all of this out and I talk about exactly how to start just a few key supplements. And we would do a probiotic in that situation and a digestive enzyme in magnesium. And again, magnesium is, that's, we're generally able to get kids off of laxatives quite quickly because we just start to, we look at things in the function of the cell and how does, what does our body need in order to actually eliminate properly? And magnesium is one of the things. And then the one last thing I'll say about this is there's a, one of the studies shows that they took a group of kids who were only having bowel movements every three to 15 days, which is, wow. I can't imagine not going for 15 days. And, you know, and then they took the control group. And so with the group that they were intervening, they pulled dairy out of their diet. And within a week, all of them were having bowel movements daily and easily. Oh, that's and interesting. When they added it back in, the constipation returned. So it's another inflammation issue as well. Exactly. Well, I love that you talked about magnesium and fiber because it's not just a child issue. Like a lot of adults <sighs> are really low on fiber and low on magnesium. And so it's a across the board issue, I would say. And yeah. And one other thing, I love that you say to teach the parents slowly, like it's one little change at a time, because I talk to many, many people that are like, I, for breakfast, especially, that's the hard one when people are running to school and trying to get to work. And they're like, I just can't cook something elaborate or, you know, some big ordeal with these fruits and vegetables. And I'll say, you know what? Like a lot of them do egos. <laughs> I'll say, well, without ego, add an apple or add a banana yeah. or add a tangerine. And when you're packing that lunch, throw in a tangerine rather than fruit snacks. It can just be really simple little swaps like that. Yes. And if I could add one thing to that, cause I love that it is, it's about little changes is I am not a morning person. And so what I do is I make up the smoothie at night and I'll put in, you know, I'll grab some out of the freezer and I like a little piece of a banana, put my greens in it. And I'll even put my chia seed, the whatever I'm putting in it. And I even put the water in it, put the lid on, blend it up. I pour it into a, just a glass jar with a lid on it, stick it in my purse. And I drink it on the way to work. I wish I were sitting there with orchestra music playing and <laughs> listening to the birds. But the reality is, but that's what keeps my system feeling great. And so if you can figure out, plan, I like people to plan their food for the week, the way that you plan a trip planning that I just planning your week and figuring out where your clutch times are or where you have to do a pickup and then take them to practice. Could you have something in the car? And then with smoothies, you can just take them and you could freeze them, you know, as popsicles, you know, and that could be, if you've got chia seed in it, that's going to give you fiber, fat, and a little bit of protein. So you can actually, you know, get the kids filled up a little bit. Right. Smoothies are a really easy way to throw those greens in because they do not taste the greens in the smoothies if you have some berries. They won't taste the chia seeds either if you have a little bit of berry nope. in there. And I do love that you say plan ahead because the weeks that I'll plan on Sunday night, like for the whole week, we just do so much better than trying to figure out on a daily basis when you're hurrying and running from thing to thing, what you're going to eat it ends up being disastrous. So yeah, I appreciate that tip. Okay, moving on to another childhood illness. This is one I get asked about, honestly, daily, and it is eczema. So why is eczema such an issue these days? And how do you help your patients with eczema? So eczema, I mean, in some areas of the country, it's up to 30% of the population struggles with eczema. And I'm just right now, I was one of the speakers on a summit because it is just such a huge topic. And I think it's very misunderstood. So in the integrative world, we always talk about gut health and gut health means we have more bacteria in our gut than we have cells in our body. It's called the microbiome. And what we're realizing now, the research is just exploding in this area is we not only have 
all of this bacteria in our gut, but we have bacteria in our mouth, in our sinus passages, on our skin, in our vaginal canal. So we often will think about the gut creating the inflammation for the skin in integrative medicine. So we really want to look at nutrition. And I always break eczema down into those. We've got to look at those triggers of inflammation, but we want to look at, you know, what is the skin integrity? What is going on with the gut microbiome? And then what is going on with the skin microbiome? So for the more mild eczema, we talked about the research with the food trigger. So about a third of the time food can be a trigger and the two big culprits are dairy and eggs. So dairy would be the first one. If your child has eczema, the first thing I would have you do is take dairy out of their diet if you hadn't already. You know, and then I would also, I would use a probiotic and digestive enzyme and some omega-3 fats and things like that to help the cell walls. If your child struggles with a more moderate, severe type eczema, what we know about the microbiome of the skin is that we have like these patients with eczema have a higher bacterial count on their skin and it's a staph bacteria hmm. and it secretes something called a Delta toxin. And that will continue to create the inflammation on the skin until we address it. And again, that's going to be the more severe eczema. And those are the people who have, it's red, angry, extremely itchy. And I actually use for those patients, I use a topical regimen that I learned about from a gentleman named Dr. Aaron. He's a wonderful, wonderful physician out of South Africa. And he's got a lot of information on his website. If people really have significant eczema like that, you know, they're free to reach out to my office. And Dr. Aaron has a lot of information online. It's just A-R-O-N. We utilize an actual antibiotic, you know, along with, it's a combination, it's an antibiotic and a steroid and an emollient, you know, and that's me as the integrative person. I do use prescription medications when needed. So that's the biggie. And then we also want to control histamine because scratching with eczema can be a really big thing. And when sometimes when families are wanting to do things more naturally, we forget about the main things and antihistamines are things like Zyrtec or Benadryl, and you can get dye-free brands and just help so that we can get the kids into a nice deep sleep while we're getting their gut healed and while we're getting their skin healed. Mm -hmm. So I think of it, it's like a two-way street between the gut and the skin but in the mild cases, you can absolutely address this at home and help the kids shift the nutrition and help their skin. Okay. So if someone has eczema issues, like you said, let's just say the moderate kind. So they're going to work on healing their gut, cleaning up their gut, cleaning up their nutrition, but don't lotions and shampoos and laundry soaps, things like that play a role as well. Yes. And when I, when you go back to what are those five triggers of inflammation, I would consider those things. So if we go food, environmental allergies, because allergies can also trigger eczema, especially dust mite allergies and environmental toxins. So when it comes to lotions and shampoos, absolutely detergents. And one of the worst cases of eczema I'd ever seen, I was right out of residency and it actually was being triggered by the Glade plug-in that mom mm. had all over the house. Mm -hmm. I didn't figure it out at that time when they went to a wonderful dermatologist who figured that out, but anything, candles, scents, perfumes, all that kind of thing. We want to be really careful of anything that we're exposing ourselves and our kids to. Yeah. It's amazing what those chemicals can do to our health and even our skin. So thank you. Okay, let's go to a next topic, childhood illness issue. How about allergies? It seems like there are so many allergies these days in children, more so than when I was a child. Why are, are we experiencing so many more allergies? This is a topic I think we could talk about for hours <laughs> because we're seeing not only you know more environmental allergies, but more food allergies and in my observation and in all of my reading, I think it's what we're exposing ourselves to. And we're putting a lot more, you know, we're spraying our food with 
herbicides. And what happens with those herbicides is that they are killing the bacteria, the, the microorganisms so that the plants can live, but then they also can kill some of the good healthy bacteria in the gut. So killing some of the good bacteria like the lactobacillus, the bifidobacterium, and then these other species are able to grow. They're resistant to these, you know, to what we're getting exposed to. And so I think what we're doing is we're creating an imbalance in our gut bacteria. And how do we get back to that is we eat food that is high in fiber that has prebiotics. So we want to feed the good bacteria in the gut. And that's what I, I think we're making things more complicated than they need to be is we really need to eat real food, mm -hmm. which is also why I so appreciate what you do with your online, you know, with the education that you're putting out online, because if we can prebiotics are foods like fiber that you'll get in vegetables, chia seed, flaxseed, hemp seed, garlic, onions, banana, right? These are right. things that we used to eat a lot more of. So we want to feed that good, healthy bacteria because it's more, it's food allergies and then food sensitivities. And, you know, if you have a food allergy, absolutely. You want to be working with your, your child's doctor or their allergist. And you don't want to just think you can, we can't just do fiber foods and then their, you know, peanut allergy will go away. But I really, if you can eat organic anytime possible, we, I want you to do that. And then you really want to up your, the fruits and vegetables that the kids are eating. Right. I love that you say we're making it more complex than it really is because fiber feeds the good bacteria. Yes. Sugar feeds the other bacteria. And so as parents, we just have to keep thinking like, okay, how much sugar are we feeding? You know, are we feeding the bad bacteria? And then how many fruits and vegetables have we given our kids today to feed that good bacteria? So like you said, it comes down to eating whole foods because whole foods will nourish the body. Absolutely. And the, the statistic that I have in the book are it's upwards of 90% of kids don't eat the adequate number of vegetables per day. And it's upwards of 60% of kids don't eat the amount of fruits that they need. Yeah, I believe it. It's hard as a mom. I know getting those fruits oh. and vegetables in it. If you're busy, it's easy to just say, grab chicken nuggets, grab whatever. But it comes down to what I've decided is filling your fridge and your pantry with those good items so yes. that when they are hungry or when you are busy, they go to the fridge and there's an apple to grab or an orange or an applesauce or, you know, something good to grab. That's what exactly. it comes down to. Well, and one of the things I do want to say, because a lot of people I know, kids can be picky, you know, different. And they kind of go in and out of that. But if you're out, like if you go to the playground or if they have a sporting event, and if it is a child who's picky, that's a really good opportunity. Maybe you only bring water and cucumbers so that there is no other option. And when they're really hungry and sweaty, they're going to eat whatever you have. That so is it's, true. A, it's a good time to do a little trials for picky eaters. That is true. I will tell you, when we first switched over to healthier eating, my kids would say, I am so hungry. There is nothing to eat in this house. And then they would eventually get hungry enough that they would eat the fruit or yes. the good item that I had in the pantry. So that is true. It does work. And it is always driven by mom. I yeah. mean, it's the mom conviction. Okay. Let's talk about one more common illness and that, or health issue, I should say. And that is asthma because there are so many kids dealing with this. So is this caused by inflammation as well or no? So asthma is another one. It's definitely inflammation is a big contributor. And we actually have these, the illnesses that I've been talking about, they're called the allergy march. And that's the way we learn it in medical school and residency is the kids start off with eczema, then it's chronic runny nose, allergies, then asthma. And when you look at the asthma, like that, that patient that I shared with you who'd had the recurrent wheezing, he it hadn't developed into asthma yet. But when you go through and, and look at his family history and then what was going on with him, he was almost 10 times more likely to go on and develop asthma, which he did not. For kids with asthma and adults, 
their immune system, it's, it's almost like it's hyper-responsive and that's their genetic predisposition. So if they get exposed to a virus, their body sends this whoosh of white blood cells to the lungs, kind of tickles the muscles along the airways, and that causes that constriction of the airways, which is what creates wheezing. So it's kind of like going from breathing through a, a big straw to breathing through like a little tiny coffee stirrer straw. And if we can decrease that inflammation, when they get exposed to their triggers, they're not going to have as much inflammation going to the lungs and triggering that wheezing. So that's where it gets back to that exact same approach. That's the beauty of the way that our program is set up. No matter what the illness is with the kids, it's a really similar approach from decreasing that systemic inflammation. So we would cut out the junk food, you know, we would add a couple of key supplements to really support digestion. And then magnesium is another really important one for kids with asthma. So when kids have a really serious asthma attack and they're in the hospital, we might give them IV magnesium. Hmm. So we back it up and say, why don't we make sure that their body has enough magnesium now before they have an asthma attack? And it's, it goes back to that magnesium is the mineral that makes muscles relax. So we want those muscles of the airways to be relaxed. It's when they constrict and tighten up that hinders the airflow and magnesium and calcium work hand in hand. So we also can't, you know, people always talk about bone health. We have to have an adequate amounts of magnesium for calcium to be able to do its job. And I, I say this because calcium is what creates the constriction of the muscles and magnesium stops the flood of calcium into the cells. So that's what allows the relaxation. So we work within that genetic predisposition of people who may have that tendency toward asthma, but we use this nutrition and gut healing approach in order to improve the symptoms. So someone that has asthma, is this something that can be, let's say, healed with gut help, like cleaning up their gut? Or once you have asthma, you have asthma your whole life. That's kind of how we learn it. Some kids, if you, if you wheeze before the age of three, you may outgrow it. But when you do have more significant asthma, that is the thought that you're going to have it for the rest of your life. And I've had many kids where we shift all of these things and we're able to wean them off of their asthma medications. Now, that's only something we do in conjunction with, because I only do integrative medicine. So we you know, work with the allergist or the pulmonologist. We have the kids get a pulmonary function test, and that's how we see how well their lung is functioning before we ever start to wean the medications, because you want to do it very slowly. Asthma is extremely, you know, it can be a, a very serious illness. It is a serious illness. So we want to be super careful. And this is where we absolutely use the best of both integrative and functional medicine. But I've seen many, many kids when we get their systemic inflammation down, they do beautifully and they don't end up needing their rescue inhaler every time they get a cold or get, you know, every time their environmental allergies flare up. And before the pandemic hit, it was really, it's, it's very reassuring for the families once we get their systems much more supported, you know, because we're all, everybody's nervous about this virus, right? And when we get their systems nice and supported, it helps the parents feel a little bit more calm about what's going on with the child. That's all really good information. And I like knowing that you can heal from asthma, but obviously it's something to work very closely with your doctor on. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information about these common childhood illnesses. I really appreciate it. I have one question though, because I know people will wonder this. For sick children, do you recommend medications like Motrin, Tylenol, or those things that you suggest to stay away from? as with everything, it will depend upon the situation. And with fevers, fevers are our body's natural way of fighting the infection, right? So our body temperature elevates, and that's what's going to help to kill the bacteria or the virus. Don't have to jump to treating fevers. And we can write it out. 
Now, if your child has febrile seizures, that's where you may need to be working with your doctor to use Motrin or Tylenol if needed. But if your child is a healthy child and they're okay and they're keeping themselves hydrated and they're feeling okay, you can ride the fever out. If it's getting really high, you know, if it's getting 103, 104, and they're just laying around and that's when you want to take more action. And the other thing I like people to know is that Tylenol is cleared through the liver, whereas ibuprofen is cleared through the kidneys. So we really, and ibuprofen is also, it can be a little bit hard on your gut. If you do need to use it, you want to take it with food and you want to make sure that the kids are hydrated. And Motrin has, or ibuprofen has a little bit of a longer, it will last, you know, up to potentially six to eight hours. And Tylenol has a little bit of a shorter window. And if it's something like pain, you know, sometimes ibuprofen can be a little bit better at helping with pain. So I would use them very sparingly and only if needed. And if the fevers are really getting very high where the kids, they're not able to stay hydrated. And Okay. That's good to know. I like hearing that from a pediatrician. Thank you again for being here and for going over all of these common health issues with me and my listeners. I always ask my guests at the very end what they have found to be the best ingredient to life. It's always our connections, right? I think that the most fun that we have are when we're in that, when we're with someone else who we love and we have a really good belly laugh. And I think that to me, that's why we do everything that we do is so that we can be with our friends, with our family, the people who really get us and who see us. And I think that's, sometimes I heard somebody say, all it takes is one person to see you. And I, being with those people in our lives, I think is the most important and all this other food, our primary nutrition, I think are our relationships. Oh, that is great advice. I love that connections are just as important as food and if not more so. Thank you so much. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Yes. So my website is SheilaKilbane.com and my book you can get at, you know, any of the major places where they sell books. And we have a great page for that. It's just SheilaKilbane.com forward slash book. And then we have some great downloads for you. And we, you know, I have a private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we are accepting patients still. And I I will have our online course will be out fall of 2021. So you can get all of that right from the website. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for all you do and all that you teach on Instagram and social media. I really appreciate it. You are a wealth of knowledge and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 